And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2016. Welcome to the show. We have a great show this evening. Our special guest is author, empath, and channeler Paul Selig. He's a writer, he's a teacher, he's a medium. He's returning to Guys Guys Radio as a renowned clairvoyant, channel, and empath, and the author of the program for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. His latest book is called The Book of Mastery and is the first in a new trilogy that provides practical guidance and otherworldly insights to help readers achieve their fulfillment and peace. And I'm going to bring Paul on in just a few moments. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, this is Super Tuesday, so we have all the uh, primary elections going on out there. And, you know, it seems like the the country is really going crazy. You have the, the extremes of Trump and Hillary on the other side. And people are, you know, they're despondent in this country. And uh, everybody's responding to fear. And one of the things about our guests' work is about making that choice and how to make that choice always of choosing love over fear. And, you know, when uh, for Guys Guys Radio, this is really the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And it began with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, which is about two guys in advertising. It's a rom-com. It's like a male sex in the city. They're competing for love, sex, power, and money. The screenplay is out being reviewed now. There's a TV script out there and a pilot. Um, I'm pitching some, my agent's pitching some nonfiction guys, guys books. I do my syndicated blog on robertmanny.com every week. There'll be a new one going up either tomorrow or Thursday. You can catch me on Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny author, and all the guys, guys radio podcasts are on iTunes and both and blog talk radio. Again, the book is the guys, guys guide to love. You can probably pick it up most easily on Amazon or the e-tailer. So it is in some bookstores, but the point is, as I've evolved the brand and evolved the show, it started about relationships in the dating sense, and it's evolved into more uh, human relationships and men and women understanding each other, of course, and just couples understanding each other, but also just mankind understanding each other and everyday people, guys, guys, gals, gals, everybody out there on a quest to, let's say, raise their vibration. A lot of people want to follow a more spiritual path and I've had the pleasure and uh, of I've had the pleasure of having so many wonderful guests uh, come on the show over the last few uh, years who have been metaphysical teachers who have been writers who have been uh, authors who have been and I just lost our guest, so I'm going to text him or uh, see if I can reach him on Facebook because I just lost him. Um, and there's no way to no way to get hold of him. So, Paul, if you're listening, could you please call back? Call the show back. The number is three four seven nine four five five eight three four. And I'm going to just keep talking about what Paul's work has made, done for me in my personal life. Uh, about, oh, about three years ago, I walked, was walking in a bookstore and I came past 
one of Paul's books, I Am the Word, the first one. For some reason, I picked it out. As often happens when you're in a bookstore, a book name or a cover catches your eye. I picked it up. I took it home. I read it. And, uh, and I read it again. And I actually read it three times before I really grasped the context and the content. And then I went to one of Paul's workshops. And then I asked my wife to read the book. And then we went to a workshop together. And we had a wonderful time. And after the workshop, we spent a weekend very, in very close intimacy together, my wife and I. And we had just come off a fast. We had done like a two-week fast. And we went to the workshop. And afterwards, we were very intimate. And we actually, we traced the date back now. And that's, that weekend is when we conceived our young son, who was going to be three, year old, three years old in May. So his workshops and his work have meant a lot to us. His other books are uh, I Am the Word, The Book of Love and Creation, and The Book of Knowing and Worth. And they've made a real difference. The spiritual path is not an easy one for people. Uh, it's challenging. I, I can tell you just from my experience this past week, yesterday was one of the toughest days I've had in a, in a long time. Um, I'm going to call Paul. Paul is messengering me. So you give me a second here, and I'm going to tell Paul what to do. Paul, if you're listening, call back 347-945-5834. And then uh, just, I think you press one, but you uh, that'll bring you back on the show. Um, so anyhow, while I, while I talk to Paul through Facebook Messenger, um, let, me, uh, let me continue my story. I had a really, really, really tough time yesterday, and a lot of my spiritual uh, uh, path was challenged. Um, uh, a lot of things happened. I came down the shore, the Jersey Shore, um, and I found that my car was missing. And uh, let me just type this out. I'm right talk, typing as I talk to you. So forgive me. We'll clean this up in the post-production. But um, uh, what happened was my car was missing. And I had a lot of stuff on my mind. So here it is. It's 930 in the morning. Uh, and my car is missing. And I'm at my beach place and I'm not sure what to do. Well, and instantly out of the blue, a policeman shows up and he tells me that the car, somebody smelled gasoline by my car. So they tried to contact me. I don't know how they did, but they tried to contact me and they couldn't find me. Now nobody called me or anything. And they, uh, towed my car. That was two weeks ago. I didn't even know about it. So this was yesterday. So I had to go to some impound place. It cost me a lot of money to get my car back. There was gas, a little bit of gas had leaked out of the car. I had to take it to a service station. Just a major pain in the neck. But anyhow, what happened was I had a super challenging day. And while I was in, I, I got Paul on the line. So I'm going to bring him on the show and then finish the story as a segue. Paul, good evening. I'm sorry we lost you there. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm good. So as I was just saying, um, when we take the spiritual path, uh, sometimes it's really tough. And I have read the new book, The Book of Mastery, mm -hmm. a few times. And 
I was really challenged yesterday, and I had been reading the passage about you know how we handle difficult situations and difficult people because when we're in a, we're on a spiritual path, I, I find that life becomes in a lot of ways more challenging. And uh, we'll, we'll get back to this point, this story I was telling about yesterday, uh, because I want to get to it, but I want to I want to circle back and kind of start at the beginning with uh, with you and welcome you to the show, our special mm-hmm. guest Paul Selig. And I'm, again, I'm sorry we lost you there, but let's talk problem. about let's talk about uh and thank you so much for coming back to the show mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the new book and how it is different than the first three books the book of uh i am the word the book of love and creation and the book of knowing and worth i actually got the most use uh, they're all fantastic but i really i feel things really took off with the book of mastery and i'm sure you've yeah. heard that from other people you know, I have. I mean, the books are all energetic transmissions that are working with the reader. But, you know, the Book of Mastery, is it's a real practical application, I have to say. I mean, in my own life as well, I, I continue to be getting the lessons from it. But the guides that I work with, and, you know, my books are really channeled. They're dictated. I don't sit down and write them, um, you know, are saying that the first three books are really foundational to this and you need the first three books really to sort of have the grounding i actually believe that everybody can enter into this book the guides do a good recap in the first quarter or so where they bring everybody up to speed but what the guides are teaching here is who we are you know the divine self in application in being so they're taking us way way out of the theoretical so i think we can all get behind the possibility that you know we're divine beings but the being of that in actualization in reality is more of a challenge yeah um kind of touching back on what i had a super tough day yesterday and i i got through it and today was half as tough and i got through that and one of the things that happened to me and it actually ties back to your book is I was it's dealing with difficult situations and mm-hmm. I was dealing with this guy who had my car hostage and he was sitting behind his desk in Neptune, New Jersey in this tattered office. And I could just feel that my car sitting in his lot was the golden goose for him every day that my mm-hmm. car was there. He could make more money and he was mm-hmm. ripping me off and I mm-hmm. and I knew it. And I just I blessed him. And I looked at the pictures on his wall. And he had one of Bruce Springsteen and then he had Jesus right over his head. And I, that caught my eye. I was looking at Christ at, mm. above him. And I just let him, for the most part, charge me what he needed to do. And I was just guided to just get your car, get out of there, and let it go. Yeah. He needs this more than you need this. And it just reminded me of the passages in your book about the practical application of when we're raising our vibration. And you get to the, you know, it's when you're sitting, meditating, or doing things on your own, it sounds great and it sounds easy to do. And it is easy to do in a lot of ways. But when you're out there dealing with the, the lower vibrations that people can fall into and you don't want to judge and you don't want to be sucked into that because you're creating darkness then and you don't want to have things boomerang back to you. That to me is really, it's like, how do you find the bliss? It's like we're a slinky toy where you go, you're into the bliss and then you get pulled back into the reaction. Yeah. And over time, yeah. There's a tipping point by doing this work, and the tipping point brings us to a spot where we we will keep seeing things through the purview of a raised vibration and the light. Help, help me yeah. out with that that part of the book because it really means a lot to me personally, and I think it really means a lot for the guides what they're teaching us. 
because it's it really it's the practical application and so yeah, hard. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big teaching, you know. But how we perceive anything really decides what that thing is. And, you know, the decision to hold a higher vision for something, and I don't mean this any way that's kind of self-righteous or pious, because that's just, you know, the egoic self having its way again and, and masquerading as spiritual. But I think if we're able to hold the higher, the higher consciousness, you know, gradually what we're doing is we're, we're realizing the truth that's already there. You're not trying to make something holy. You know, the guides say in the new book, you know, all is holy. Everything is holy, including, you know, the schmuck sitting behind the desk that you don't want to see again. You know, I mean, you really can't exclude anything. Now, I mean, I was making a joke by saying the schmuck behind the desk, but, you know, I have my own stuff. And if mm -hmm. I want to choose that that's who this person is and hold that relationship to them, I can, but then I'm essentially engaging with the negative. Exactly. If I want to move past appearance to the truth of who everybody is, and underline, you know, the word truth is what the guides would say, the truth of who everyone is is a divine being. So the first level of, of stuff, which is attitude and personality and, and sort of dependence on historical structures that we all use sort of to know ourselves through, isn't who any of us really are. And that's the challenge. But they say, if you hold this, you're knowing yourself in a higher way. I mean, to say that, you know, the guy is holding your car hostage in some ways frames you as a victim and that creates the dynamic in the relationship. The guys that I work with mm -hmm. say, you know, I'm challenged by this too. You know, all of these things are opportunities, every one of them. You know, and if we, if, if, if we see them as opportunities for our own development, and sometimes it may be saying, you know, give me my car back and, and asserting yourself depending on who you are, but all of these things are opportunities to grow. As the, the guides say in the book, you know, you can't be a victim and, and a master at the same time. You really do have a choice in how you interpret anything you see. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's go back to the. Uh, I just wanted to kind of so put a ribbon on that because it's something mm -hmm. that I was I was flying solo when I lost you there, and I wanted uh -huh. to just get to that because it was something I wanted to get to later. But anyhow, let's get back to the how the book is laid out. You have kind of the union, the first section of the book. Uh, mm -hmm. kind of as a recap and kind of lays things out for uh, for the reader in terms of uh, you know what they need to kind of start with and then we go up the mountain mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of lessons as to w what's next in your purview up the mountain so could you describe how the book kind of works that way well, I mean, I don't really know because I didn't write it. You know, I sit in a chair and I close my eyes and I take dictation. And then it's the dictation is transcribed and the unedited transcript is the book. So the structure of the book that the guides are using here is a journey up the mountain. They're using what I actually thought, and this is just Paul the critic in the background, a somewhat obvious metaphor of the mountain as as a higher level of consciousness of ascension but that's what they use and they speak in the book about the things that we encounter or the lessons or the initiations that we encounter on our way to our own higher knowing 
And the book is really structured, as far as I can tell, to support us in meeting some of these lessons and the things that are available to us that will align us or support us in a level of alignment where we can claim ourselves as who we truly are, which the guides would say is a master. And I, I, I think it's important to understand that when they use terms like mastery, they're actually speaking not of the small self or the egoic structure becoming a master, but the true self or the divine self that they say is who you truly are. That's who comes forward through this passage is the true self who is the master, not the small self who might want to fix things or rule the world or yell at the guy behind the desk or any Mm -hmm. of those things. You know, it's interesting with Paul's guides, I believe uh, you mentioned here for this book, you worked with nine, nine guides and the guides. Uh, what, one of the things I really love about your books and, and working with the guides is they, they work with us individually and they're available to, to help us. Yet, unlike uh, in a lot of areas of spirituality, they do not position themselves as above us. They are helping us help ourselves find our recapture not recapture or find our divinity but to claim our divinity through i know who i am i know what i am i know how i serve i'm here i'm here i'm here and it's it's really wonderful i can tell you from personal experience the last uh workshop i came to um there was many people who hadn't read any of your books and i had read Mm -hmm. three of them and i'm like i wonder if i'm going to get the same thing out of it as these other folks and you know what it was as if First of all, entering your space where you do these workshops uh, feels mm-hmm. like uh, a, a church, but in a non-religious way. It's just a great mm-hmm. community feeling. It's very mm-hmm. blessed, blissful, very blessed. But I felt that as I was listening to the channel uh, uh, talks that it was speaking directly to me exactly what I wanted to know at the exact right time. And I also find when I go through this book, the Book of Mastery, I picked it up yesterday when I came home because I was so flustered from the tough day. And I, I, actually, I picked up on the book on the exact page I needed to be reading at that time. It is just yeah. amazing. They are so helpful, and yet they don't position themselves above us. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Because in so many practices of spirituality, mm-hmm. you, people, there is a separation, and, yeah. and it, it's not supposed to be that way. Well, you know, the guides that I work with, I mean, they say, you know, they've said, and this is a quote, you know, we are who you become when you know who you truly are. So, you know, they're saying that they're operating in a realization of truth and of their divinity. They're an awareness of their own connection to source. And we're simply operating in ignorance of that. You know, it's who we truly are as well. But we, we've invested so much in this sense of separation. You know, God is in the clouds, and here we are down here, screwing everything up. And, you know, that's not what they say is true. Now, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm this guy with some ability that sits in a chair and closes his eyes and takes dictation. And that's my work as a channel. And then I have a practice as a psychic where I'm able to help people a bit more practically. But, you know, for my entire adult life, I was a college teacher. I was at NYU for 25 years. I wasn't seeking to be doing the work that I'm doing now. I'm still kind of astonished that it happened. But I'm not interested in putting myself above anybody else because I don't think that, first of all, the guides say the moment you do that, the moment and they say no, no man, no human being is higher than the next. That's a load of crap. 
You know, I mean, crap is my word. This is just not true. Mm -hmm. You know, and and the the belief in that and the investment in that is always the personality self seeking to to be realized through you know the appropriation of of a title or through comparison or this or that. I mean, it's a challenging teaching, but if they're going to teach this stuff, I guess they better they better demonstrate it. I don't hold myself. Mm -hmm. To that same standard, I'm a student of the work, and I believe what that they're. I believe what they're saying is true. You know, at this point, I mean, they've delivered four entire books through me that don't require editing. I mean, it's astonishing. And truthfully, I'm I'm on book five right now. I'm Amazing. I think about three days into the dictation, and I, I'm assuming there's about forty pages already. And again, wow. you know, there's a there's a lovely woman transcribing these recordings and I'm getting to read them now as opposed to typing them myself. It's what I used to do. And I'm going, wow, this is really coherent and, and beautiful. And, you know, when it, when it's coming out, I know it to be true, even though it challenges what I believed the world was made of. You know, when I when I hear these teachings, it goes against how we're taught to, to be because we're taught to be afraid and we're taught to judge and we're taught to hold one above the next and all that stuff. And, you know, what if mm -hmm. that's just not true? And that's what I hear from the guides. There's there's one mention, um, once we're up the mountain in the book, of uh, holding this piece of paper in our hands. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it just comes across one line in one passage. And I keep going back to that, wondering, this contract, What what is that, Paul? Could you elaborate a little bit on what, on what your interpretation is of that? I don't know what I don't know the passage that you're talking about. I know that there's a moment in the book which is a very important moment when they invite the reader to say, "Okay, write something down that's stuck that you don't see can move, you know, that you've given up on or you you can't fix." And they say, "Give it to us." And I had objected to that when I heard it um in dictation because it to me it sounded like enabling or you know, how it was like magic, you know, yeah, right, give it to them. But what the guide's answer to that was, they said, no, you see, we operate in truth. And they say, you know, in truth, a lie cannot hold, and everything that you would put down finally is a lie. All of your beliefs and your unworthiness or lack or all of these things, I mean, there are ways that you may know yourself, but they're not the truth of who you are. And in retrospect, I think that teaching was the genesis of the teaching that I'm now seeing come through in in a new book but I'm assuming maybe you were talking about something else because you mentioned contract uh, I think I might have just used that word but it was this paper you hold in your hand and it was towards mm -hmm. I'm sorry I lost the passage towards the end okay. of the book and uh, it's interesting it's because the same one. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think, I think, it's, I think the, it's the one I described. Yes. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, you see, the thing is, you know, and I'm getting this message from the guides. I get it through, you know, other people who I know and I work with spiritually. You know, the small self or the personality self doesn't fix the small self. You know, it just doesn't happen. That's self-help and self-improvement. And, you know, what the guides say, you know, you, you know, when, when you, just painting the wall is, is, is redecorating. It's not really renovating. It's not really rebuilding. It's or reclaiming even. It's just sort of fixing stuff. And our tendency is to want to fix stuff. And I think the guides' agendas for us is rather much more than that. 
And in order for that to be so, I think, you know, we have to stop trying to pretend that the personality structure is going to, to fix the personality. Now, you, there's also a, a question about oneness, because um, we are in this duality where we are living in form, yet we are, our true self is divinity. And I think that's a battle mm-hmm. that, you know, that's that slinky between yeah. bliss and between the lower vibrations that we all have mm-hmm. every day. How, do, how, do, how, can, how can our listeners who read your works and get into this really um, manage that concept of oneness when we're in form? Well, you know, it's what the guides are teaching now. It really is what I've been hearing in the new book. And I do live streams on Wednesday nights where the guides teach, and they've been talking about this for for some time. But they actually say that our own belief that we're separate even physically from our source has given rise to this illusion. And as I said earlier, you know, like God's in the clouds and and we're down here in the mud. Mm -hmm. What the guide said today in a dictation for the new book, they said, you know, you perceive the sky as outdoors, but in fact the sky is permeating your entire house. It's It's in all things. And you believe that the barrier between your flesh and the sky keeps you separate from the sky, but in fact the sky is permeating all of you, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you just substitute the word God for sky, you get the idea. So the moment they say that we can realize that what we are in form is actually a manifestation of the divine, the form itself is, the form itself is holy. It isn't just a container. It's Mm -hmm. actually one of the ways in which we're expressed. We can then begin to see everybody else the same way. But, you know, I think the temptation is to say, God bless them, you know, and walk away because we really can't stand them. Let God handle them, you know, whatever that is, that kind of thinking is. Mm -hmm. I think the truth is you can't know who somebody else is as a divine being if you're excluding yourself from your own divinity. And we've been taught to be separate, and in fact, my guides would say that's never been a true teaching, because as much as you would like to, you can't be separate from your source, but you can believe yourself to be. And in that belief, you create or you go into an agreement with a widely held belief in separation that we've all invested in. And that's what they say we're now moving beyond as a species. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that whole aspect of fear that we're all, you know, the media spews at us and we deal with every day. And yeah. one of the most fascinating passages in the book was about, you know, you could you talk about war and you could either pick up the sword or you could raise your vibration and your frequency to a level where there are no swords. Swords mm-hmm. aren't used. And by doing that, you can help the planet and help other people by uh, being, if you will, at that level of vibration, and that will let the other stuff fall away. Could you help help our listeners out with with that? Well, here's a really simple teaching that I get from the guides. You know, they say you really can't negotiate with darkness because when you're negotiating with darkness, you have to call yourself to the darkness and go there, and you lower your vibration. So as long as we continue to be in conflict, we're actually empowering the thing that we're in conflict with. We're actually giving it power by reinforcing it, by throwing all this energy at it. 
when you rise above something in consciousness to a, to a higher place, you actually have the opportunity to lift that thing. But you don't lift that thing or transform that thing by affirming the negativity of it. Mm-hmm. By affirming the negativity of it, you're right there with it, rolling in the mud with it. You know, you're 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 in yep. like a cord. That make any sense? Absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, the 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 phrase "I know who I am uh, as a divine being. I know what I am, the true self. I know how I serve. I am here. I am here. I'm here, expressing our divinity in fullness." Could you? And that seems to be the foundation to this mm-hmm. to this trilogy, the beginning of this trilogy. Yeah. Um, explain that what that means, and I've been saying that to myself. All the time, as I walk down the street, I see other mm-hmm. people. I know who you are. I know what you are. I know how you serve. You are here. You are here. Yeah. You are here. Just yeah. doing it. But and it's powerful. And the the book itself, when I read the book, I find that it is channel text. There is a vibration there, and I feel I'm getting help. So, could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about why those words are so powerful and what they really mean? Well, it's not the small self or the personality self making these claims. The guides say that these are claims of truth. And they say that when something is true, it is always true. So the truth of your being is as a divine being. So the claim, I know who I am as a divine being. I know what I am as a divine being in manifestation. I know how I serve, they would say, is how you are fully expressed as the divine self. The expression of the divine as you or anyone is how anyone serves. The claim, I am here, I am here, I am here, is the divine self or the true self in its purview. And what they mean by that is that is the expression of the divine self. I am here, I am here, I am here. Now, I guess your listeners should understand that when my guides work, they work with language that's encoded with vibrations. So when you say Mm -hmm. these things, people often feel the vibrational shifts that come with them, their attunements. The guides say that, you know, we're radios, we're always in broadcast, and our broadcast is our frequency, our consciousness and what they're doing with these attunements is essentially supporting the radios that we are in playing the higher broadcast that they say is always present but we've been blocked off from and that's why people say they can often feel it when they read the books they feel that the energy moving with them it's it's quite exciting now when we when we go up the uh, mountains uh, mm-hmm. there's a question as to there's there's more mountains when you get to the top of the mountain but yeah. is is there are we are we like the illusion? Uh, what what is the illusion? Are there no mountains or endless mountains? Well, I think that there's always growth. That would be my assumption that we're always evolving. I don't think I think when something is static, it's 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 not in motion. Well, so well, let, me the, let, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's, at what point are we ready to be an embodiment of our true self? as in conjunction with the mountain uh, metaphor when you know who you are that's what i am when you really know who you are it's a done deal but you know in order to know who you are you have to know who everybody else is as well you can't exclude anybody from their divinity or any group of people or any way of being you have to see this is my understanding you have to know Mm -hmm. 
the divine in all things. The guides teach the kingdom, and they say that the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in all things. And the small self doesn't enter. The true self or the divine self, or they say sometimes the Christ itself, is the one who enters because that is the one who holds that level of consciousness. And what they're teaching in their books is how to realize that. They say it's who we already are, but we've misidentified ourselves as the small self or the personality self. That's not who we are. It's just the mask that we wear. It's how we get around. Mm-hmm. Now, the, as I touched on earlier, uh, fear is so permeating throughout our lives. Um, and the guides talk about uh, this coming revolution of consciousness on the planet. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do those two uh, diametrically opposed notions intersect? Because we're at a time of such uh, mounting fear, yet it yeah. is, seems to also be a time of a revolution of consciousness where vibration is being raised and people can impact things. Well, I mean, if you've ever seen, you know, a a building being excavated, you know, or or a foundation being dug, it's a messy thing. And what was old gets moved. I don't think that we can claim the new without releasing our investment in the old. And the old has a, a huge investment in sticking around. So, you know, I mean, I see it all over the place, and I don't know what the outcome is, truthfully. The guides say we're going to make it. They seem pretty clear on this, but they also say we have choice. And they say we're at a time of reckoning, and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations, which means if we made it, we're responsible to it. Like it or not, nobody else is. And the guides would go even farther to say, if you can see it, if you can witness it, you have an energetic relationship to it, which means you're not a victim to it. But how you see it is informing its very structure. So until we collectively take responsibility for who and what we are, how we treat other people, how we treat our world and stop pretending like it's not our business, we're going to be challenged. You know, I mean, the guides say, you know, we've built bombs in order to stay safe. And they talk about the insanity of that. It's insane. Mm -hmm. We're going to build the biggest bomb so that we're safe. Somebody else builds a bigger bomb and we're not safe anymore. And the guides, you know, have said, listen, if you think that these things aren't meant to be detonated at some point, you're you're fools. You know, we've made them, so we're responsible to this. Whatever they say has been made in fear has to be remade in a higher way. And they say it can be done, but it's done by one, the ones who know who they are and are not, you know, making all their decisions in fear and going into agreement with fear and and all of the stuff that we don't really need to be doing. Now, uh, as one passage, excuse me, the other room mm-hmm. in the background, my son is screeching. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... Um, we, we, we the, the guides talk about um, putting your issues, if you will, uh, no, that's not the perfect word, on, on an altar and really yeah. giving giving that up. And that, that kind of has to do with what you were just talking about. But could you elaborate yeah. a little bit on how individuals can release, free themselves of this, this stuff they've been carrying around so for so long? Well, I mean, the idea of giving it to the altar or, or turning it over or surrendering is um, it's an old teaching, and that's what they're saying, you know. So it's um, 
how do we do this choice? You know, as long as I want to fix it, it's mine to fix. If I realize that I can't fix it, if I turn it over, I put it on the altar, which is the guide's metaphor, you know, to be taken, um, it can be lifted. So we have choices here. I mean, again, it goes back to this idea that the personality doesn't fix the personality. It's not possible. You know, the divine self or the true self, I think the guides would say, is the one that really undertakes the transformation. Um, But we have choice here. Now, for a lot of people, uh, you know, they get tied into religions and they hear, you know, I'm seeing through the with the eyes of Christ. That's like, well, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not Christian or whatever. And and uh, you guys also speak of the kingdom kingdom. Could you help yeah. our listeners with the difference between, you know, religious teachings and what the guides are espousing just a little bit well, more? You know, my guides tend to re- reclaim language that's they say has been misused historically. Their definition of the Christ is the the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form. It's the divine self that's in everybody. And they say, you know, there's a name for it in all religions, and that's one of the names they use. They also call it the divine self, the infinite self, the true self. You know, there's all kinds of names. I don't think it matters at all in the kingdom. Um, they what they they say it's here. I mean, I you know it's 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 present always, but you have to be aligned to it through consciousness. I think that this isn't necessarily different than some of the early Christian teachings. Although I'm not a religious scholar, I spent a month at the Esalen Institute mm-hmm. co-facilitating with somebody who was who was really talking about the guide's work as really an out an extension of second century gnostic christian teachings which i find really interesting but i don't know that world um so again the idea of reclaiming something in a certain language isn't to position it it's just the language that the guides use and i think what they're doing is they're reclaiming language so that we, we, may, we may understand the true intention not how we've been taught with it perhaps in ways that they wouldn't agree with. Best way I can put it. Got it. Okay, this is Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is Paul Selig, author of The Book of Mastery. Paul, just a few more questions, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. Just, uh, you know, for our audience, um, I, I know it's so interesting that you 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 are, like, in the crosshairs between the, the, the guides and us, and it's it's mm-hmm. it seems like it's hard work. They don't let up on you, and throughout the book, it's uh, it's almost humorous in a way where you're you know you're skeptical on some things and also yeah. of your own gifts, and sometimes they say, "Paul, you know, step aside." Paul's you asking know. this question: How does how does how does your relationship with the guides? How does it has it changed? There's a new the new guides come in. I mean, do they just start channeling uh, sometimes on their own, and like you have to be ready or? Do you have to no, get yourself into a certain it's an agreement. They can't. Mm-hmm. They can't work. They, I mean, they can't work through me without me. You know. I mean, as I'm a spoken channel, I'm doing. I'm giving voice to what I hear. I do. I does that mean that they're not operating without me? I'm. I'm quite certain that they are. But my relationship with the guides is challenging in a way because you know I'm. I'm the stenographer for their teaching. And I'm also somebody who is scratching his head about it some of the time <laughs> and in his own process saying, you know, why don't I have what I want or what I think I should have? 
you know, which I do all the time. Although, you know, I will say that I did a good probably 50 minutes, 40, 50 minutes dictation today on the new book. And at the end of the chapter, the guides complimented me on pretty much trusting more and staying more out of the way. And I like it when they chide me truthfully or say, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're talking, stop interrupting, whatever they say. It's always respectful. But frankly, I like to know that they're driving the car because my job as the channel is to climb into the back seat and let them drive. When I have a ch- when I'm challenged by the teaching, it's like I'm leaning over in the front seat saying, "Hey, where are you going? It looks like there's a tree up ahead. Don't hit it." And that's not my business. But when it's flowing, I really do recede, and I'm only aware, somewhat peripherally, of of what's coming through. It's kind of like I've, I've described it as you know when you're a kid and you're like in the back seat of the car reading a comic book, and your parents are having a conversation in the front. I mean, that's really what it's like. What I was talking about very early in the show was the the challenges of the spiritual path, uh, embarking Mm -hmm. on that. Do you find, since you know you were uh, uh, an atheist, I believe, and then you got Mm -hmm. involved with uh, your uh, being an empath and and Mm -hmm. also a channel, how how has the how has have things changed for you, and has the spiritual path been difficult? Yeah. Yeah, it was difficult. I mean, it meant going in a different direction from how I was taught to live my life and what I thought was important and what my values were. You know, um, it challenge- I mean, it really does mean everything's going to get challenged at one time or another. I'm not saying that I've arrived yet, nor would I ever consider saying that I'm more advanced but, you know, I I have been challenged, and I find the teachings challenging at times to implement, although I will say recently I've been finding it kind of wonderful, and I'm surprised that I'm actually having that experience now of the work because it's been flowing well and joyfully, I have to say. And also they're teaching stuff now that I get. I get it. I feel it. I get it. And because I get it, I'm saying, you know, Run with it, you guys. I'm happy to be along for this. So, you know, my life has changed in remarkable ways. There are areas of my life that I wish would change in remarkable ways. I hope they happen. Um, And maybe they will. You know, the guides I work with say, you know, nothing changes until we first conceive of it as a possibility. And everything that we have in our lives on some level or another, we're in agreement to. Otherwise, we couldn't have them. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm done. I've got work to do still. Uh, last uh, last question, and then we'll uh, get to the, your information and promote the books a little bit more. Um, I think my theory is that for most people, they see the the raising of their vibration and frequency as an opportunity to manifest uh, a better life for themselves, and that mm-hmm. might be material goods or, or whatever. And everybody yeah. wants to, you know, everybody wants a comfortable life. But it seems like what the guides are telling us is that that's coming from you know, if you want fame for the sake of fame or you want a new yeah. car, you know, you're coming at that from the from a, the small self. And there's something far beyond that if you take the leap and go for that, which is living yep. through your divinity. Could you help people out with that? Because I think that's the whole challenge, because people say, hey, I want to manifest a Cadillac. And they see a Cadillac where this is a major leap for people to really do it the right way. Well, 
I mean, you know, the idea of getting stuff is attractive and using metaphysics to get stuff is attractive. However, it's who who's asking for what? If I want the fancy car because I think I'm going to get a better date if I have a fancy car, I'm actually creating in fear. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm actually yep. and also what I'm doing is I'm buying a bill of goods that somebody else sold me about what one needs to get a date. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just really it. The guys say, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting the big house in the hill. Somebody gets to live there. But if you want the big house in the hill so that you're going to be the envy of your neighbors, you're creating in fear. Now, what the guides would say, you know, the divine self or the true self knows what she needs. He knows what he needs and will call it into being, you know. But as long as we're sort of trying to prove things with our stuff, more than likely, you know, we're 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 we're, we're operating from 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 the old paradigm. There's nothing wrong with having a nice place to live, and it feels very good not to be worried about money. You know, I I know mm-hmm. that because I've been in both positions. It's a yep, nicer way to be. It's <laughs> easier, but I have to say, as the guides would say, all of this stuff and the material realm that we're in, it's really transient. And we've we've been self-identifying through the physical realm and our stuff at the cost of who we truly are. It's that simple. Yep. That's the most important thing. So, Paul, listen, thank you. Let's uh, tell our viewers, please, our listeners, rather, about uh, where we can find out more about you, your website, uh, your -hmm. workshops, the Book of Mastery, where they can get it, etc. Now, what's coming up? Sure. My website, which is where to find me, is paulselig.com, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. And there's a calendar of events and information on readings and links to the books. You can get the books at any of the major booksellers, and, and you know, at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble. I mean, they're, 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 they're gettable if you're interested. And I have a workshop coming up, an evening workshop coming up in New York City, at the end of this month, I'm going to be at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur. Um, you know, in the middle of this month and this coming weekend, I'm doing a workshop in Annapolis, Maryland, a weekend workshop in Annapolis. But there's a full calendar of events. I'm traveling a lot um, between dictation sessions. I'm, I'm on the road. So that's the best that's the best way to get me. Okay? Fantastic. Well, listen, I want to thank you personally because... Uh, since I first came into contact with I Am The Word at the Namaste Bookshop on Fifth Avenue, my life has changed for the better. So thank you, and keep doing the great work you're doing, Paul. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Please thank the guides, too. Will do. Take good care. Bye-bye now, Robert. Take care. Okay, that's our special guest for this evening, Paul Selig. Uh, We've had a great show. Um, We had a little bit of uh, technical issues up front, but that's okay. We'll clean that up. And I want to thank all my listeners again out there for uh, for uh, taking the time to sit in on our show. And I hope you uh, check out Paul's work. Paul Selig, I Am The Word, is the first work, but there's four books now, the latest being The Book of Mastery. And they really are life-changing. I mean, I read all the books uh, that I possibly can for my guests on the show. And I have to say more than any any guest. And he's a busy guy, and he's out there really making a difference. But... Paul Selleck's books have really made a difference and are in a really positive way. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out and check out his website also. 
So again, that's our show for this evening. We're back at our usual day and time next week, next Wednesday. We've got Psychic Lisa Ann's going to be on, and she's going to be taking calls from our listeners. So uh, that should be, as always, a lot of fun. So anyhow, remember that uh, when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And guys, guys, they finish first. <laughs>